Hi, my name is Queen Zoya Counts, and I would like to welcome you to my podcast, Evil Lives Amongst Us, African American True Crime. Yes, I love true crime stories, but very seldom do I hear true crime stories about African Americans. So I created this podcast to share with my listeners about the true crimes that African Americans commit. So sit back, lend me your ears, and listen to some of the most horrendous crimes committed by My name is Queen Zoya Counts, and I would like to welcome you to my podcast, Evil Lives Amongst Us, True Crimes of African Americans. I want to start off by saying thank you guys for listening to my podcast. I made the top 20 list of true crime podcasts by African American people. I'm just going to say by black, by a black person. That's too many words. African-American. I'm just going to say a black person, a person of color, which is like saying I'm a colored person. But we won't get into that later. This story came across my desk. Um, and it was a story that was written by Laura Italiano. And it goes on to talk about baby Nikolai died with 67 broken bones. Now these same bones may exonerate the only father he ever knew. So let's get into it, shall we? When Nikolai Major died four years ago at 11 weeks old, doctors saw no external signs of trauma. But the next day, Coroners counted at least 67 broken bones in the baby's rib cage and legs. There were so many fractures and such severe damage underneath the fractures that Nikolai's birth was ruled a blunt force homicide. His mother's teenage boyfriend, the last person to care for him, was charged with murder. But new defense evidence suggests that the baby's injuries, many of them days, even months old, are the result of a significant metabolic bone disease. Now, those same tiny fracture bones may exonerate the boyfriend, a young man from Brooklyn, New York, named Quincy Pierre, the only father Nikolai ever knew. There's a doubt about whether the injuries on this child were abuse at all. The defense attorney said at a court appearance last month, as I go into the article, I'm looking at the article. All they do are showing pictures of Quincy holding Nikolai. Nikolai suffered from a perfect storm of medical conditions. Roberts now believes born with his umbilical cord wrapped around his neck. He had to be resuscitated in the delivery room and continue through his short life to suffer severe brain damage seizures, cerebral palsy, medical records reviewed by Insider Show. Meanwhile, Nikolai's bones preserved as evidence since his death in 2019 show that undiagnosed bone disease was slowly robbing his skeleton of calcium and vitamin D. Two teams of forensic pathologists hired by the defense have found 
By the time he died, Nikolai's bones were so fragile that even routine handling of the baby could cause fractures. The leg massages that family members were taught to give by doctors to stretch and smooth his rope-tight palsy muscles put the baby at a higher risk of breaks. But Nikolai's cerebral palsy had dimmed his pain response, so he suffered in silence, fell into cry, even when he received his routine vaccination shots 10 days before his death. Hmm, vaccines. Interesting. Despite the scores of doctors who tended to the fragile infant, no one realized the skeleton was slowly crumbling inside of him. Brianna Major gave birth to Lord Nikolai Corbin Major in a Bronx hospital on July 7, 2019. Hey, that's my grandson's birthday. His father, Major's ex-boyfriend, wasn't there for the very sick baby the defense has said in court papers. But Pierre was. For three weeks, the young couple sat with Nico as both their families called him in the neonatal intensive care unit of Manhattan's Bellevue Hospital. Major was 17 with a dazzling smile. Pierre had just turned 19 and was soft-spoken, tall, and thin. Brianna was there three times, four times a day, and Quincy was with her. Pierre used money he earned during freelance web development and IT support to buy baby clothes, a stroller, diapers, and formula. Was not even his child, and he was stepping up to the plate. Brianna was Quincy's first love going back two years prior to high school in the Bronx when she walked up to him in the hallway and asked for his phone number. Pierre's own father wasn't around, so he spent a year of his childhood in a homeless shelter. I knew what it was like to grow up in poverty, he said, and I knew I was in a position to help. Despite the fact that he was not Nikolai's actually father and that he had no financial or legal obligation toward Brianna or her son, Quincy fully supported Brianna through her pregnancy and the birth. He stepped, he stepped up to help her raise a severely disabled son who was not biologically his own. This is demonstrative of Quincy's heart and his values. So then the baby comes home. Quincy was very excited when he was able to come home from the hospital on August 2nd, 2019. He was happy. When Nikolai left the ICU, Major, who lived with her grandmother in the Bronx, was the primary caregiver, but the baby sometimes stayed with Pierre, who lived with his mother and two little brothers in the Bushwick neighborhood of Brooklyn. At her house and his, Quincy would help care for and feed Nikolai, gave him medicine that the doctors had prescribed. The defense lawyer Roberts wrote in a December court filing. A crime scene photo shows a ledge in Pierre's bedroom stocked with the baby's medications, diapers, formula. Another shows the inside of his bedroom door where Pierre taped photographs of Nikolai and Brianna, who he called Brie and my girl. He would, Nikolai would be home from the hospital for only seven weeks before his death. In that time, he was seen by doctors once a week on an average, either by appointment or in emergency care visits. He was a very, very tense baby and quiet. He didn't cry like a normal baby. Family members on both sides would massage Nikolai's legs to try to relieve his constructed muscles. 
The baby really cried. Pierre's mother, Judith Pierre, told Insider instead the baby would tremble because the baby was in so much pain that he would tremble. Every time she tried to bathe him or hug him, he would shake. She remembered as she fought back tears after her son's last court date last month. I think in his own way, he was telling me he was in pain. On September 23rd, 2019, Monday, just four days before his death, Nikolai's mother brought him to North Central Bronx Hospital. The baby had a slight fever and he was crying, which anyone who knew Nikolai understood was unusual. Checking for pneumonia, doctors ordered x-rays of his chest. Two of these images were emailed to an off-site radiologist in California who found the baby's lungs were clear. Nikolai was sent home with a prescription for Tylenol. Tylenol. Two years would pass before the hospital shared these two x-ray images with Roberts. I'm not a radiologist, but even I could see there were fractures. In Nikolai's rib cage, Robert told Insider, key among these fractures was a compound break located five ribs down from the baby's right shoulder. Y'all didn't see that? That rib injury is critical because it's right above Nikolai's lacerated liver, which was probably the cause of death. Oh my gosh. So you receive the x-rays. Even as I'm looking at the pictures of the first x-rays, you can see these fractures are in the x-rays. Like, who the fuck was these doctors? Like, seriously, who were you? Hospital records also obtained by the defense showed that during the same visit, Nikolai had elevated level of a liver enzyme, which was an indicator of organ damage. In fairness, they weren't looking for broken bones. They were looking for pneumonia. But at least four days before his death, the baby, now we know, had lots of fractures. So even if you are a doctor and you're looking for pneumonia, you aren't you liable or should you not be looking for any other conditions or any other signs that don't look normal? Asking for a friend. Nikolai's last day alive was September 26, 2019, a Thursday. Three days had passed since his Brock's hospital visit. He wasn't feeling well. This time his mother took him to the doctors at Bellevue where he spent the first three weeks of his life. My girl, she's saying she went to the doctor with the baby. Pierre would tell police describing how she called him from Bellevue that afternoon. He has a fever. They gave her some medicine. He remembered as she dropped the baby off at his family's apartment in Brooklyn later that afternoon. We talk a while. And then she leaves. Pierre told police he spent the day feeding Nikolai his bottles, giving him his new Tylenol prescription every four hours and playing video games or working on a laptop while watching the baby nap on the bed next to him. Nikolai seemed Restless that night, Pierre's mother told police of trying to burp and calm the baby at midnight. But Nikolai, Pierre calls him homie at one point in the interrogation and my son and my boy at other points slept. Pierre fell asleep at 3 a.m., still sounding shell shocked a day after the death. And then I wake up at six and I see that his face is pale and I like lift him up. He has like no consciousness, like his arms is now tense. Not how they usually are tense. That He told cops that the boy was only breathing every six or seven seconds, describing what doctors would later call agonal breathing. The involuntary gasping triggered when the heart stops beating. Pierre called Major then 911. 
than Major again. He tried breathing into Nikolai's mouth. He held Nikolai upright against his headboard. He told cops he tried to shake him back to life. Upon arrival, CV was laying on the father's bed, not breathing and purple. This was according to a police report from that morning, referring to Nikolai by the initials of compliant victim. The baby was in cardiac arrest. The paramedics would later tell an investigator at the New York Medical Examiner's Office. In a box on the report labeled child abuse suspected, an NYPD lieutenant wrote, no, there were no signs of trauma or anything to the body. Despite continued CPR and intravenous amphetamine, emergency room doctors at Wyckoff Heights Medical Center in Brooklyn could not revive Nikolai. His mother had just reached a hospital from her home in the Bronx when the baby was pronounced dead at 7.20. My baby, my baby died. And then she just started screaming like crazy all over the phone. Major was too distraught to speak to police and doctors or to fill out any forms according to the paperwork on the case file. She had not responded to insiders' attempts to reach her on the phone or through Guzman. So, now, Quincy listed himself as a father in identifying Nikolai's body. A legal investigator for the medical examiner's office noted pre-autopsy that there was a small crescent-shaped bruise on the baby's right inner thigh that may have been caused during resuscitation. Otherwise, there were no injuries or wounds seen. There were no signs of trauma or anything to the body. Detective John Weenham, who led the murder investigation, recalled during a hearing in October 2022. Nikolai's autopsy said that they disagreed on how many broken rib and leg bones he suffered. The pathologist hired by Pierre's lawyer cited 118, a number that double counts new refractions of previous breaks and said that the New York City's medical examiner's office stopped counting at 67. There were over 60 fractures to the right and left ribs, according to the autopsy report. I could see, you know, when you have a baby, you rub on their legs, you're helping their muscles, you're helping them stretch out those muscles. And if they didn't know any better, it was causing breaks, but he couldn't tell them he was in pain. Hmm. This is getting to me. This is getting to me a little bit, but I must keep going. There were a minimum of seven fractures throughout his legs. And when you look at the pictures of his rib bones, and you can see all these different fractures throughout his whole body. There was liver injury underneath his right ribs. The injury was at least four days old. There was a small area of bleeding on the brain at the top of the baby's head. Neither injury can be fixed to the 10 hours Nikolai was in Pierre's care. The defense believes and either may have been caused or worsened by efforts to revive the dying baby. So, by him trying to revive the baby, other things were coming up. 
It was with these horrific autopsy results newly in hand that two NYPD detectives interrogated Pierre for five hours on September 28, 2019, the day after the baby's death. Both said that Pierre was not being truthful with them as he insists until the interrogation's final hour that he had done nothing to hurt Nikolai. We'll tell you this. Your baby had head injuries. He already had head injuries from when he was born. Was his head hitting anything? Did it bang on a head born a little bit? No, no, it didn't. Well, what could have happened to break bones in a baby lying on the bed? Are you saying that his bones was broken? Pierre asked back. At a key point, the teen remembers that sometime around midnight or 1 a.m. on the day Nikolai died, the baby was fussy and refused to eat. Something was not right with the baby's chest. I felt it right here. He began to tell the detectives toward the integration and the interrogation, demonstrating by touching the right side of his own chest, like when you push in, like it can push in and it's not supposed to push in. So what do you think was up with that? Like here, the rib area, it just felt like it wasn't together. This part right here, that if you push in, you could feel it. Maybe Pierre wonders aloud himself, bruised the baby by touching them there. How? From pushing it like that. What Pierre wonders if Nikolai could have been hurt earlier before that night. Remember the baby been to the doctor so many times. The detective tell him that is impossible because of. Ah, here we go with that word. Science. They said the injuries occurred within three hours of his death. It's science, dude. It's 100%. Pierre begins to beg. Can you just, can you just tell me his injuries? Show me in good faith that you're going to tell us something that you aren't already telling us. Then I'll tell you an injury. The police said to him. Oh, he goes through the same story, awakened to see Nikolai pale and gasping of holding a baby up against the headboard of shaking him for five seconds. Tell us something you haven't told us. At this point, Pierre's lawyers believe Pierre begins making a false confession. I do get mad, he tells detectives who keep pressing him. I understand that. It's frustrating. Pierre then says that in the hours of before Nikolai died, he twisted the baby's legs. He lifted the baby up with both hands, turning his, back, his body back and forth, and then he admits he laid the baby down. I was just pushing down on his ribs. The next moment in the video will certainly be played repeatedly by prosecutors for eventually jury. The cup collapses easily, and since it's near a microphone, it makes an excruciating, loud, crackling noise because Pierre demonstrates what he did to Nikolai by raising his right arm over his head and crushing the side of an empty plastic cup with the fingers. He wasn't crying or anything, Pierre then says of Nikolai releasing the cup. He doesn't cry. Pierre's lawyers concedes the cup crushing is not great, but it must be put into context. 
the confession by any reasonable legal standard was involuntary. And if this goes to trial, we will certainly litigate that in front of a jury. It's involuntary because of his age, the pressure on him, the evidence that turned out to be false or was knowingly false. You must have abused your baby because all those injuries were three hours old. Nikolai's rib had been fully detached for days, the lawyer said, again, citing that Brock's Hospital x-ray from four days before the baby had died. They also stated that there was CPR done on the baby. Hmm. I guess he got so tired of being accused, he just made up something. His next court date, when his lawyers were asked again that Pierre be released on bail due to the strength of the new pathology reports. The reports found Nikolai suffered from osteopenia and osteomalacia, which causes brittle bones and a high risk of fracture. Hmm. Nikolai's bones were abnormal, especially in the clinical context of multiple fractures of varying ages in such a young infant. Weakened bones in a small, already medically fragile baby are more prone to be fractured through ordinary handling of the infant, especially given his apparent insensitivity to pain. They go on to say that the liver injury is consistent with having been caused by the same actions that fractured the ribs. It cannot be reasonably excluded that if those ribs were fractured accidentally, the underlying liver injury also occurred accidentally. Arden refers to Nikolai's brain injury by using the medical term subdural hemorrhage. And that is what the baby sustained at birth. Last month, a second bone pathology expert, Dr. Evan Matches, issued his own findings. High-resolution x-rays of the baby's pelvic bones discriminated, demonstrated clear-cut evidence of a loss of bone. See, y'all, I be killing words, but y'all keep right on following me. The real tragedy here is that this baby had all of these broken bones for weeks leading up to the day of his death at a time when he was being seen regularly by doctors. We know the baby has a diminished, if not entirely muted pain response, and nobody sees any other markers of a baby that's in distress or danger. The baby was not malnourished. The baby was not dirty. And Nikolai himself is not telling them what's wrong. So Quincy Pierre, he became the father of this already severely, badly injured baby upon his death. As he was coming into the world, he suffered and he suffered more. He didn't cry, but I can see the hospitals failing here, you know. He was going to the doctor on routine, regular visits only, only for the doctors not to see anything. Like, what the hell are these doctors doing? Do, not, do they not understand? Did the doctors get sued for not seeing what had happened? Even the x-ray on his chest for pneumonia. 
You didn't see the damaged bones? Or did you just decide that you were going to turn a blind eye? We got to protect our kids. You know, there are stories in the African traditional religions that talk of children being born as aikus. And it goes on to say that these children, they don't live long and that these African parents will do all that they can. They will put a chain or, or something on the kid's leg as soon as it's born to keep it here, especially if it's going through so many things during birth. So was this child a I had the spirit of a Aku that came back and decided that it didn't want to live on this earth and it and all of these things happened. This is just what happens in some African traditional religions and other parts of the world and what other cultures believed in. But the good thing about this is that Quincy Pierre was found innocent of committing these this crime to this child. He loved the child. He had a record of medications. And it's a sad thing when the police will get you to confess to a crime that you did not commit. And that happens quite often because people get so frustrated because you're not believing what I'm saying. So, yeah, I did it. And then you go to jail for something that you didn't commit, a crime you didn't commit only to find out years later that you're innocent and the police didn't believe you. But luckily he had a good set of defense attorneys who investigated, who did their research. My name is Queen Zoya Counts. Thank you. Thank you for listening to my podcast. Evil lives amongst us. True crimes of African-Americans. But in this case, no crime was committed. Not by Quincy anyway. Peace.